Okay, today's daf is Gitten Daf Nun Ches. We are holding on the very bottom of Daf Nun Zayin Beis, the last line on the page. And I guess what is the opposite of a Daf Yomi coincidence? Here we are in Rosh Chodesh Adar, learning all of the Chorben Agadites. So the Chorben Agadites will continue through Daf Nun Ches Amid Aleph. We're going to talk about the beauty of the B'nai Tzion and how our oppressors, how the Romans abused that beauty of the B'nai Tzion. We're going to talk about various stories of heroic acts, specifically that were done by children. And the Gemara is going to tell the story that ultimately caused the Gzardin of the Chorban. And then on uh, Ahmed Bez, we're going to get back to Halacha. We're going to get back to uh, the discussion of the Mishnah of Sikrikon. And we're going to have a Machlokas Amarayim, what role the original owner has to play in order to validate a purchase from the Sikrikon. And the Gemara is also going to talk about whether uh, if a guy buys land from Sikrikon and has a Chazaka on it and then sells it to somebody else, does the Chazaka of the first guy help for the second guy who buys the land? And then the Gemara is going to talk about other types of Anasim, not just Sikrikon, other types of people who forced Jews to sell their land. And we're going to tell the story of a person who took over a land and had prepaid its taxes and whether he lost all that money or he can be reimbursed for that money. And then the Daf is going to conclude with the Machlokas how to calculate what the Mishnah called the Revia, that if a person buys land from the Sikrikon, he has to pay the Meritakana, that he has to pay Revia to the original owner. A Revia of what? Exactly how does he pay that Revia? That's going to be at the very end of the Daf. So half of the Daf is Agadita, related to Churban, and the other half is back to Halacha, relating to Sikrikon. So we are holding again bottom line of the page and Afnun Zainam Bez Amar Rabba Barbarchana Amrab Yochnan. Arboim Sok Tsutse Tvilin Nimtsu Birashe Haruge Betar. They found forty sa'a worth of Ktsutse Tvilin, of Batim of Tvilin, on the heads of those who were killed in Betar. Rabbiani Rabbi Yishmal Amar Shalosh Kupos Shalarboim Arboim Sa'a that it wasn't forty sa'a, it was three boxes each box had 40 sa'a worth of tefillin in it, so it was actually 120 sa'a. That it was 40 boxes of 3 sa'a each, but either way that would be 120. And not like we said initially, that it was our ba'im sa'a, like Rabbi Yochran said, that it was our ba'im sa'a. Says Gemara these two versions, not the last two, whether it was 30 of, uh, whether it was 3 of 40 or 40 of 3, but rather the difference between saying it was 40 sa'a a total versus a hundred uh, versus hundred and twenty sa a total. It's not a machlokas haderasha. The tefillin shalrosh there were a hundred and twenty sa haderara, but tefillin shalyad there was only forty sa of tefillin shalyad. Says Rashi, dedara mem sa uderasha shem gedolim dalid batim bekal ktsitza havu gimel zimni mem sa. The reason the tefillin shalrosh where there were so many the boxes that 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 that, uh, that could hold the tefillin the amount of tefillin shalrosh that they had were so much larger it was because tefillin shalrosh are so much larger than Tefillin Shalyad. Tefillin Shalyad only has one compartment where you put the parashios of Tefillin Shalyad. Tefillin Shalrosh has four compartments where you put the parashios. And therefore the Tefillin Shalrosh were larger, but it was the same amount of numbers of Tefillin Shalyad and Tefillin Shalrosh that they found. Says Rashi, that's a little bit strange. In Tomar, Dalid Lohi, Shabayis Echad Shalzroa, Gadol Me'echad Mibate HaRosh, Lufi Shekan Kol Arba Parashios, Bebayis Echad, Bebayis Echad, Bishorosh Parashah Echad, Bebayis Echad. 
Echad. He says, I don't understand. How does that work out that the Tzvillin Shal Rosh is, uh, is, is, so much, is so much larger? After all, each compartment of the Tzvillin Shal Rosh only holds one parsha folded up very tiny, whereas the Tzvillin Shal Yad holds all four parshas. So granted, it's only one compartment in the Tzvillin Shal Yad, but look at our own Tzvillin Shal Rosh and Tzvillin Shal Yad. They match. They're roughly the same size as each other usually. You don't have a much larger Tzvillin Shal Rosh than Tzvillin Shal Yad. So says Rashi, Mekal Mokam Tufus Shal Rosh Mitoch Shetzarek L'chalik Abatum Lios Revach Beneim Ukevun Al Moshev Echad Hutzrach HaMoshev Lios Rachav Vavi Alechad Shlosh Hashem Ezroah So that's why Tzvillin Shal Rosh is not four times the size of Tzvillin Shal Yad. But since you have to divide up the bias into several compartments, so they needed a larger base on which to build the Tzvillin Shal Rosh, and therefore it used to be, Rashi says, that the Tzvillin Shal Rosh was three times the size of Tzvillin Shal Yad. Unusual for us to picture it like that, because we're so used to having uh, Tzvillin Shal Rosh and Tzvillin Shal Yad that have matching sizes that are roughly the same size, but that's not the way it was. It was three times the size, not four times the size, but three times the size of the Tzvillin Shal Yad. The Maram Shif just points out that it says in the Brisa that uh, that it was 40 of Tzvillin that they found on the heads of that Betar. And now we're saying, oh yeah, yeah, that was the Tfilin Shalyad. What do you mean, Tfilin Shalyad? What was it doing on their heads then if it was the Tfilin the Shalyad? So there is a discussion about uh, what to do with Tfilin during Shas Milcham, the Shulchan Aruch in Simon Memhe Paskins, that it's also to go into a Beis HaKvaros or within Dalet Amos of a Mace with Tfilin Barosho because it's a Loig Larash. It's a violation of Loig Larash. And the Sefer Yisodi Yishurun, he says that during the, the, the First uh, World War, where uh, there were people there around Shemilchama, they wanted to know if they could put on Tfilin out in the battlefield. Maybe they have to be Choshesh, that there's a kever of a Jew somewhere nearby and that it's going to be Loig Larash for them to, uh, to put on tefillin and that they shouldn't be allowed to do it. So he quotes that in the Sefer Tel Tal Pios, brings a raya from our sugya that they found in the Rashi Aruge Betar 40 sag tzutzei tefillin. So you see, even though it was a Zman Mulchama, they still put on tefillin. Meaning if there was some sort of chashash isra of loig l'rash, that as soon as the first guy was killed, the rest of them should have immediately removed their tefillin. But apparently they didn't do that. They kept their tefillin on, so it must be that Peshas Mulchama is not, it's not loig l'rash. So the Maram Shif over here writes, that someone who's carrying something in his arms, in his hands, that he's unable to put on tefillin shalyad, he should take the tefillin shalyad and put it on his head. Because makom yesh barosh laniach shnei tefillin. And that's what the Maram Shif answers, what the Gemara is talking about over here. That the Gemara says, they found it barosham, they found it on the heads of the Aruge Betar. What was it on their heads? We're saying it's tefillin shalyad. Oh, it must be that since they had taken to arms, they, had, uh, they tried to fight back. So they, 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 it wasn't appropriate for them to wear tefillin shalyad while they're holding spears and weaponry and that kind of thing, and therefore they just put their tefillin shaliyad on their on their heads. And the Chuvas Chaim Sha'al, he says, uh, he says that uh, that seems a little bit strange to put the tefillin shaliyad on the head. Whoever heard of such a thing? Yes, but not for tefillin shalrosh and tefillin shaliyad. You know, we had a, 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 a sugya earlier on about. Um, someone who doesn't have 
you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have an arm. So machlokas, do you put the tefillin on the other arm? Do you put the tefillin on your right arm? But no one had a had a hava mina to say to just put them both on your head. So meichi tasty that you would say such a thing to put to put them both on on your head. But anyway, that's what the Maram Shif tries to suggest. A very great chiddush that they would take the tefillin shuliad and put them on their heads, and that's why they found them berosh haruge betar. Amar Rabbi Asi arba akavin moach nimtu alevenachas. They found forty kav of brain matter on one stone upon which they, they murdered so many people. Ula Amar Tishas Kavin, Ula says it was nine Kav. Amar of Kanavite Mari Micra, what's the Pasuk that indicates that there was brain matter all over these stones? Bas Bavel Ashduda Ashre Sheishalim Lach Eskumulech Shegamaltalanu, the Pasuk says, in Gemara, it's just uh, noted by Evagomer, Ashre Sheyochas Vinipet Salayich Alasela, that they crushed the uh, the, the, the babies Alasela on Iraq. And then the Pasuk tells us in Eicha, Benetzion Hayekarim, the precious Benetzion, Hamisuloim Bapaz. So, my Misuloim Bapaz, Paz is like gems. In what way are we Misuloim Bapaz, with Paz? You want to say that we're more precious than gems? So, it should be Misuloim May Paz. What's Misuloim Bapaz? So, if you want to say that the Benetzion were covered with jewels, that we had so many jewels, but we know that that's not the case that in terms of the percentage of jewels that are worn by different peoples uh, with 50% of, uh, of, of jewel wearing is done by Romans and 50% by the whole rest of the world combined so we certainly wouldn't say about the B'nai Tzion that were distinguished to the B'nai Tzion were the jewels that they wore because if anything what distinguished the Romans were the jewels that they wore no, this is a statement about how beautiful the Bnei Tzion were. That they were so beautiful, they made the most precious gems look like something ugly and disgusting by comparison. It used to be that the Chashuve Rome, the, uh, the important people of Rome, they used to take a nice image of themselves and put it by their, uh, by their bedposts when they would, uh, when they would have Tashmash Hamita, when they would try to conceive a child because it's uh, it's understood it was uh, the practice to assume that if a, that what, what a person is looking at and thinking of at the time of uh, the zivug at the time of tashmish is uh, going to affect the, uh, the going to affect how the child comes out mikan ve'ela it's going to affect the character of the child as the Gemara Brach says that Rabbi Yochanan would sit by the Shari tvila. <laughs> because the assumption was that if a woman would see the beauty of Rabbi Yochanan right after the tevila, that's what she would be thinking of Bishas Tashmish and it would cause her to have children as amazing and as beautiful as Rabbi Yochanan. So that was always the assumption that it's going to affect that what a person sees Bishas Tashmish is going to affect what the children are going to be like. So that's why the Romans believed this as well and they used to uh, take these very beautiful things. But once they saw the beauty of the Bnei Tzion, the beauty of the Jewish people, Mikan Ve'elach Maisu Bnei so instead they would take the Bnei Yisrael and they would um, 
and they would tie Jewish people to their bedposts and while they were having Tash Shamita with their wives. So one of the, the people who was tied to the bedpost said to another, said to another Jew who was tied to the bedpost, where does it say we're going to have to suffer through this indignity in the, in the, in the, in the Torah? Of all the tocha, of all the terrible indignities that it says we're going to have to suffer, where's this one written? Amalei, he says, well, it does say, it's sort of, it doesn't say it explicitly, but the tocha says, Gam that, uh, that even uh, everything that it doesn't say in the Torah, I mean, you can't, uh, Baruch Hu didn't specify and actually spell out every single indignity we're going to suffer. Even things that it doesn't say, every every terrible indignity we're ultimately going to suffer. It's a very strange turn the conversation takes. So he says, how far away am I from that, that Pasuk in my learning? I didn't get to Dvarim Perachavchas yet. Amrlei, ingad pustabhalga. He says, a little bit, it's just a column and a half, another column and a half of learning, and you would have gotten there. If I only would have gotten that far, then I never would have needed to ask you the question because I would have figured it out on my own. So you have to figure out what in, what in the world that conversation was all about, the second half of that conversation. Ben Yoyada has some sort of explanation of what exactly that, that, that was about, but uh, I'm not sure that I fully understood it. So that's a difficult conversation. What does the Pasuk mean when it says... There were four in Betar, each of those Batiknesios had four hundred Melamde Tinokos in the uh Besaknasas. Vikalakal Vekaril Fan Varbamel Tinok Shall Beshaban, and each of them had four hundred Tinokos Shall Beshaban in the Besaknasak. Shaya Oyev Niknasosham, and when the enemy came in, uh Hayudokrinosam Bikhotrehan, the children started trying to fight back and stabbing the uh the enemies with their uh place pointers for their svarim when they were you know point in the chumash. So they were uh they were they were trying to fight back with that. Shagavar Oyev Alachtum when uh, the enemy overpowered them, Karchum Bisafrayim at Sisum Baesh. They wrapped them in their own Svarim and they burnt them on fire. The Ian Yaakov says, wait a second, these numbers don't seem to work out. There's a Sugim Babasudav Khavalif that about the ideal class size to teach children. And uh Halach is that you're not allowed to, you're not supposed to have more than twenty five children in a class. If you do, you have to have an assistant teacher. You can't just have one Melame Tinokos teaching more than twenty five kids. According to this version of the story, there are four hundred students in any given class. So, uh, so you, it's hard to say that the din was uh, was different there or that uh, this is what they were punished for maybe because of these terrible class sizes. That's why they uh, they suffered so terribly. It's dochak to say such a thing, says uh, says the Ein Yaakov. You know, the Medrash says, Tani Rabbi Shum Barichai, Imri Isai Yaros, Ayaros Nathoshos, Mimkom Beritzvel, Dashalo, Hichziku, Bishar, Sofrim, Bishar, Mishnim. There's a Medrash that says that uh, when a city is destroyed, it's because they didn't do enough to support education, that they didn't take care of the Malam De Tinokos to make sure that education would be done properly. So maybe in a Khanami, maybe uh, that is part of the Onish over here, that they allowed the class sizes to get to 400 uh, for, for each teacher, instead of doing something about it, instead of trying to, uh, to, to, to make sure that education was done properly. Rabbi Yaakov Emden says, no, maybe not all the Tinokos would learn 
went together. They would take turns, but that's still quite startling. Then, the, how short was the school day? Was the was for each child? If it was twenty five kids and at, at a time, and four hundred of them, that means only one sixteenth of the day. Every kid only learned for an hour. What, what can they cover in that amount of time? But that's what Rabbi Yaakov Emden suggests. Um, the, uh, the the Ben Yoyada says now maybe there were other teachers also. This was like the principal of the school, but there were other teachers as well. Okay, Rabbi Shubham Khanani went to a large city in Rome. They told him that there is one particularly good-looking uh, child that's being uh, that's being held in prison. So. Um, he went to the doorway of the prison. And he said, Who's, who caused Kalisol to be put in this uh, terrible predicament? The child said, Which is uh, pretty remarkable, meaning he knew the end of the Pasuk. There's a Pasuk in Yeshayahu. So he said the first half of the Pasuk, and the child just continued the Pasuk. He knew the answer. That the answer is that we sinned HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that we didn't listen to his Torah. Wow, this child is going to be something special. I think he's going to be a Mora Hara'a be Israel that uh, that he knows this. So he said, "That's it. I'm not leaving until we uh, we 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 uh, redeem him for whatever amount of money it takes to get him out of jail." So he spent a lot of money to get him out of jail. And Itaka did become a very great posek. That became Rabbi Shmuel ben Elisha. The Tulsus points out, wait a second, when someone's in jail, you're not allowed to be poda the Yosemik Shavyo. When someone is being held in captivity, you're not allowed to pay more than his value. So what does it mean? No matter what it costs, I'm going to get him out. So Tulsus points out, when it's a Sakonis Nefasha situation, we do pay more than or says Tosos, maybe there's the other heter that he was a muflag bechachma. That uh, someone who's a muflag bechachma, you're allowed to pay more than uh, than than they're worth. That was the discussion when Rav Hutner was uh, was on that plane that was hijacked. Whether uh, it, it happened to be the State Department didn't allow them to negotiate with the terrorists, but there were Talmidim of Chaim Berlin that wanted to pay way more than uh, than I guess what we would say is Kadesh Avio in order to to get him out. And the argument was that he was a muflag bechachma. Someone who's a muflag bechachma, you could pay as much as it takes. It happens to be again, the State Department doesn't negotiate with terrorists, so they weren't going to do that. But uh, but that was the the hava amina. They say Rav Shefta said that Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky said at the time that while that's true, that Allah is muflag bechachma, you pay more. But that's only when it's shalom b'shas mulchama. But b'shas mulchama, you can't do anything to help the enemy b'shas mulchama. And the state of Israel from its very inception has been b'shas mulchama because the Arabs around us have never come to peace with our existence, and therefore all of the forms of terrorism, anything that you're going to do, is going to be aiding the enemy in the Shas Mulchama, and then one is, one is not allowed to do that. It's also interesting over here that he said that I know that he's going to be a Mora Harabi Yisrael. He said the end of the Pasuk, that he quoted, so he knew a Pasuk. What does that mean he's going to be a Mora Harabi Yisrael necessarily? So the Riaf explains, when Rabshub and Khan said the Pasuk, he wanted to say, Allah Hashem Zuchatan of Allah, 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 Allah
all in the lashon of uh, of taromas, meaning of uh, meaning meat and l'mshis Yaakov Hashem zuchatanu lo. So why why would he give us in the hands of goyim of lo adrach v'loch l'asham b'taraso? Meaning he, he was saying that that it's all a kasha. That that uh, that why would Hashem hand us over to people who are even worse than than we are? So the child was saying, no, the end of the pasuk is not part of the kasha; it's part of the teretz. He was given to blushon tshuva that you want to know why we suffered so terribly. It's because of it's nothing to do with the enemies and who they are. It has to do with us. It has to do with our own responsibility to serve the Ribbon Shalom. So it's not that he knew the words of the Pasuk. It's that he knew how to teach it up, that it's a kasha and a teretz. It's not just one long kasha. It's not just woe unto us, but he's giving a teretz to, to why it is. So that's what he, uh, he, he realized, that he'd be a mora harab Yisrael. Many other interpretations are offered also in terms of uh, what, what was going on in this conversation as to how he knew that he'd be a mora harab be Yisrael. Um, the, uh, the, 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 okay, so it says the Gemara further. The story of the son and the daughter of Shol ben Elisha, which is depicted in such an emotional way in our Kinos on Tishabav, uh, they were both captured by different masters. And it came where they were both ended up in the same place. One of them was bragging, I have an Eved, that there is uh, that, that, that's the most beautiful Evet I've ever seen. And the other one said, I have a Shivcha that's the most beautiful girl in the whole world. If we both are gifted, we're, we're, have the, the privilege of having such amazingly beautiful Avadim, imagine if we put them together, we'll have beautiful uh, next generation of Avadim. They put them. <laughs> in the same room together, assuming that they would be in his davig but each one sat in their own corner. One of them said, I have to remember where I come from. I'm a coin, I'm going to marry a shivcha, I'm going to be with a shivcha. And she was saying, I come from Kohanim Gedolim. I'm going to marry an Eved. They cried all night. When Amun HaShachar came and became light in the room, they saw each other, they recognized each other. They fell on each other and they cried um, until, they, until they died. And that's what Yermio was mekonin about. <coughs> That any any yardamayim that my my eyes were tearing. The Meshchach writes that achanachos are are meshulim to bezeinayim to two eyes. And when we talk about eyes, so it's like the children of the apple of the parent's eye. That the eyes re- relate to a brother and a sister, relate to siblings. That's why the Yerushalmi and Meisr Sheni says that if so, if someone has a dream that one eye kisses the other eye, that his two eyes are touching each other, that's a simon that an ach balachoso. The Yerushalmi says because the eyes represent an achanachos. That's why Yordamayim from the Aini Aini Yordamayim. Amri Shlakish, Maisu Bishachas, with Safanas Baspaniel Shema. There was a story of a woman named Safras Baspaniel. Um, Tzafnas, she called Tzafnas. She was called Tzafnas because uh, everyone used to used to look at her beauty. Baspaniel, Bito shel Kohen Gadol, Shashimish l'fnei v'lefnim, and she was called Baspaniel because she was the 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 daughter of the Kohen Gadol, who's Meshamish l'fnei v'lefnim, who did the avoda l'fnei v'lefnim. Shenas alba shavai kolalayla, that her captors uh, took advantage of her all night long. L'machra l'bisha shuv chalukah motzil l'motzil Next day they got her dressed up in seven uh, garments and they took her out to sell her. 
Someone who's particularly ugly came. And said, "Let me see your beauty." You want to buy her? You buy her. You're not gonna. You don't get to examine the merchandise. Trust us. There's no one as beautiful as her in the entire world. Amrlo Afalpikani said, I don't care, I want to see anyway. If Shita Shisha Halukum, so they took off the first six layers of clothing, Ushvi that by the time they got to the seventh layer of Karasa, she tore it, Vinispal Shabafar, Beifer, and she rolled around the uh, the ashes, Amra the fun of Ribona Shalom, Imalena Lukhasal Kudushmecha Gibra Lomato Lotachus. You don't want to have Rahmanas on us, at least have Rahmanas on 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 your good name, Ribona Shalom. The one Khilashem this is. Vala Kun Yermio, Bas Ami Kigrisak, Vispal Shi Beifer, it doesn't say alecha that the enemy is coming alecha, rather aleinu kaviyachal aliva alecha bashodet that it's uh, that it's attacking the ribon shalom and klal yisrael at the same time, and that was the tefillah that the ribon shalom should at least worry about his own cover. The uh, the Iyun Yaakov explains that they said she was called safnas because everyone would be tsofa biofia, meaning that's why she was punished because she wasn't so tsenua. She was uh, and she decided that she was going to be machshel rabbin because she was very proud of her beauty and she wanted everyone to look at her beauty. In uh, Ben Yoyada, he says that that's why it says Bito Shal Kohen Gadol, who does the avodah lefnei v'lefnim, that even though she was the daughter of the Kohen Gadol, who's mishamish lefnei v'lefnim, so that sentence of tsnius, that's the greatest indication of uh, how something that has great kedusha should also have great tsnius. Lefnei v'lefnim, no one saw lefnei v'lefnim, only the Kohen Gadol and Yom HaKippur and B'Sha'as Avoda. So if anyone should have appreciated that something that has Kedusha has to be hidden away and that we shouldn't be exhibitionists and we shouldn't be people who are trying to uh, to be in the public eye, it should have been the daughter of the Kohen Gadol. So it's the contrast that called Tzav and Biyofya, even though she was the daughter of the Kohen Gadol. Amravidam Rav, Maidur Siv. What is the Pasuk teaching us when it says Ashku Gever There was a story, and this is the story that led to the whole Churban, according to the Gemara. There was a guy that uh, really uh, wanted to be with his uh, with his with his uh, teacher's wife. Vishulya Dinagrihava was not his Rebbe, it was his carpentry teacher. One time the, the, the teacher needed a loan. So the student said, Tell you what, send your wife to me and I'll give her a loan. I'll give her some money. She got rich to it. So he sent him his wife. He, uh, he, he kept her for three days. He uh, held her back for three days. And then the student went to go to the teacher. So the teacher said, You know, I sent my wife like three days ago. She hasn't come back yet. Where, 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 where did she go? So I'm alone. I need to the altar. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I sent her home right away. I gave her whatever it was, and I sent her home right away. Oh yeah, but I heard that she was messing around with young boys on the on the road, so she probably went uh, to be with these young boys, and uh, she's cheating on you. So he dafka said tinokos because it wasn't the derech of tinokos. Ben Yoyada says that uh, it wasn't the derech of tinokos to be maanes a woman, certainly an older woman. So it must be that she was it was pitui that she was interested, and therefore she was cheating on him. It wasn't just that Nebuch someone was maanes. So that's the image he was trying to project about this fellow's wife. So the, the, the teacher said, what should I do about that? If my wife is cheating on me, what should I do? 
Gersha, you want my advice? Get rid of her. You should divorce her. Amalok, Subas Maruba, how can I divorce her? The Ksuba is so expensive, I can't afford to get divorced. Amalok, Ani Alvecha, don't worry, I'll, give, I'll lend you the money. Vitain Lok Subas, and then you can pay the Ksuba. Amad Zev, the Gersha, Halachu Venasa. So the, uh, the, the, the teacher divorced her, and then the student went and married her. Once the time came for the teacher to pay back the loan to the student and he didn't have money to pay, so you owe me the money, work for me. You'll come and work in my house and that way you'll work off your debt. So this new wife with a student, with the, the new husband who was the student, were sitting and being merry and drinking and enjoying. And the guy who lost this wife because of the advice, because of the trickery of this student, had to be serving as their butler while they were enjoying a good meal. And his uh, tears were coming out of his eyes and falling into their cups as he was serving them. And that caused the Chasimah's Gzardin. That was the ultimate Gzardin on, uh, on the Chorban. And some say it was because of the two wicks in one candle, meaning that it was an Eishas Ish, and two people being with an Eishas Ish, her husband and someone else, that's uh, described as two wicks in a, in a single candle. It's interesting, he said, I can't divorce her because I can't afford the Ksuba. Is that a halacha? That if someone can't afford the Ksuba, that it's usher for them to get divorced. This is a major machalak as we showed in the base. That a person is not allowed to get divorced if he doesn't have the money to pay the ksuba, and that's what the Tashvitz writes in the tshuva as well. And the Rai is from our Gemara. He said, "What do you want me? How can I get divorced? I can't afford the ksuba." But the Beis Yosef disagrees with this Chiddush, and he says that, no, I don't think that that's correct. We don't find any of the poskim for Samim that say this hafilu beremes. I don't know, the Rashba says it explicitly, but he says, that, you know, the other poskim before Samim. We don't find that the major poskim, even Omer Rameis to such an idea, that you, that you, have to be, uh, you have to be wealthy enough to be able to get divorced. No, you don't have to be able to, to afford the Ksuba. Once you get divorced, then she has tainas on the Ksuba, so then she'll sue you or whatever, and you'll have to slowly pay it off over, uh, over time. The Ramah Paschal is like the Beis Yosef in Ebenezer there in Sivvav, that even if you don't have enough money to pay the Ksuba and then the Dunya, the woman can't say so too bad you can't divorce me um, and he can divorce her and then ultimately over the course of time he'll pay it so Chalkas Mechokik points out that's against the Tshuva Sarashba that it's also the Garish so the Bishmul says maybe the Ramah is not really against the Tshuva Sarashba maybe there are two different circumstances there are certain circumstances that at the very end of Gittin which is ironic the last mission of Gittin discusses what it would take to, uh, to be permitted to divorce a, uh, a wife meaning what, what the situation has to be for to be permitted to get to, to get divorced, but absent the, those three sheets in Tanaim, but absent those circumstances, you're not supposed to get divorced. So maybe that that's the difference. Bishmuel says maybe if it's a situation where they're supposed to be getting divorced, then he's allowed to divorce her even if he can't afford her ksuba. But maybe he just wants to divorce her, even though he shouldn't really be divorcing her. Maybe then he's only allowed to do it, and she could be ma'akev unless he can afford the ksuba. Okay, right to the Gemara. So now we're back to the halachic. So we said if you buy from the Sikrikon, these people who force uh, Jews into uh, in, in, and take their, their fields away from them uh, over threat of death. So uh, so if you buy from the Sikrikon first and then you buy from the 
Balabais, so that doesn't mean anything, but if you buy from the Balabais and then from the Sikri Kone, then that's a valid sale. It's only an invalid sale if the Balabais, after you bought from the Sikri Kone, said, yeah, yeah, it's okay, go make a Kenyan. But if the Balabais actually wrote a star on it, then you know that the Balabais is serious about it, he wants you to buy it as well. Now, even with a star, it's not enough unless he actually writes a Chrais and the on it where he says he's going to be responsible. Responsible if it ever gets taken away from you. So Tani Kavase de Shmuel, Rabbi says, just like Shmuel, Rabbi Shimon Lazar Omer, Lakach Mini Isha, if a guy buys a field from a wife where uh, she's not going to be able to collect that karka for Ksuba anymore, the Chazav Lakach Mini Ish, and then he goes and he buys that same field from the husband, Michal Kayim, uh, that, that sale is valid, he's allowed to eat the peros, and the woman is not allowed to collect from that field her Ksuba. But if you bought from the husband first and then the wife rubber stamped it, then Mikhabatel. Then the Mekach is batal because the woman didn't really want to be mocked in the field. She just wanted to do Nachasru after her husband. She didn't want to cause Shalom Bayez problems. Unless she wrote Achrayas. If she wrote Achrayas, then it shows that she's in fact very serious about this. So uh, you see that it's a raya to Shmuel, that Ksivas Achrayas is necessary. Says more name of Tavit Yufta the Rav. Yeah, a raya to Shmuel, the Chorah, that's a Tiyufta on Rav. So Gemara answers, no, Amalach Rav, my Achrayas Nami, Shtar. When it says Achrayas, it doesn't mean that she's Makabla on herself, Achrayas, that if it gets taken from uh, the Balichovos, take the field, that she's going to reimburse him. It means that she wrote. A, she wrote a star, and that's called achrayas because the star shows that she's macabre on herself. The achrayas that she can't be, she can't be choser on the deal. That's what it means by achrayas. Not that she's <laughs> going to reimburse anybody. So achrayas doesn't mean what it normally means over here. we have a A guy buys a field from the sukrikon and he eats the peros for the uh, for three years. So he develops a chazaka in the land where he's no longer going to need a star. Bifnei bailim and the bailim was aware of his Achilles Peros for three years, and then this guy sold it to somebody else. The, the owner cannot go be toveah from the new lokeach to give him a revia that he has to pay him. Because once three years went by, where the first lokeach was using the field, we have a chazaka that that field belonged to the first lokeach, and he did whatever it took to become the owner of that field, including paying the revia, paying the quarter of the price, to the bailum like the chamur misakin. So the balasada can't now go to the second lokeach and say, no, it's not your field. So it says in my Hechidami, what exactly is the case? If we're talking about the Lokech Shein, he said, I know that the original Bailam bought it from you and he paid you the Revia already, then I feel the Rishonami. Then even the first guy himself, where, where he didn't sell the field to someone else, can also have this Taina, that he bought it from the from the Bailam and he gave them the Revia, because you have three years of Chazaka already. So what, what does the second Lokech add to the case? And if the second guy does not say uh, to the to the Bailam that the first guy bought bought the field from you. He doesn't have any such taina. Well then Afilusheni Namilo. Well then it shouldn't even work for the second Lokach because it's Chazaka Sheni Mataina. You don't have a taina of how it legally came in your possession. So I'm Rav Shesh is the only Lokatainla. Really the case is the second Lokach did not have this taina that the first Bailam bought it from you. But Kagon Zeh 
This is a circumstance where we'll make the taina on, on, on his behalf. That the first guy bought it from the Sukriko and it was there for three years and then he died. So his son, let's say, yarshins it. So, or someone else buys it from him. So we don't know to make the taina. We don't know exactly what his deal was. Well, we'll make the taina on his behalf. Rashi writes that even if you assume normally ain't ta'an in, over here everyone agrees ta'an in lokech, ta'an in yarish. Tosus points out there is no mandiyamar ain't ta'an in. What we're saying with kigon is that even in this case where we would have thought that the din is with the bailim because uh, that they, maybe he only didn't make a machal because of the fear of the sikrikon that even in that kind of case will be torn in lokech and torn in the yarshin the idach and uh, the, the, the other guy the first lokech he torn in he lo torn lo he's not going to have as strong a cough we're going to make tainas on his behalf no if he says the taina himself wonderful if he doesn't say the taina well then he's out of luck Tarabanan, Haba, a guy who, who comes in as Ma'anis Yisrael to give him his karka, Machmas Chov, because the Jew owed him money. Or, or Umachmas Anprus, a guy who's Ma'anis Yisrael to give him karka for free. Ein bo mishum sikrikon. This does not have a din of sikrikon. It's only by sikrikon that if the lokeach has the karka for 12 months, he can give 25% of the price to the bailim and the karka will remain his. But if you buy from a guy who's Ma'anis Yisrael to, uh, because of a chov or because of an Parus to give them their field, the halacha is you got to give the entire field back to the Bailim for free. There is no just paying them off and keeping the karka, no matter how long the karka has been out of the hands of the Bailim. But by Anprus, it's got to be there for 12 months. So, so what does that mean? We just said by Anprus, there is no din of Sukrikon. You got to give the field back. So what are you talking about? 12 months. No, what we mean to say is as follows. If a guy forces a Jew to give him the land because of a chov or a stam, because he just wants it, the guy who buys it, the mekach is always going to be batal. It's not like sikrikon. Sikrikon atzma, but when it comes to sikrikon itself, the din sikrikon applies after the land has already been in the possession, out of the possession of the original owner for 12 months. Amar of Yosef. Naktinan ein anprus bebavel. We have a mesora that a guy um, is not ma'anis karka from a Jew in bavel. So if a Jew comes and he says that about a certain karka, you know that's really mine, and you bought it from a guy who uh, who seized it from me unlawfully, we don't believe that Jew. We don't believe that doesn't happen in bavel. Gayim don't just go away, go around taking Jewish land in bavel. But, but it does. It happens all the time. So how can you say it doesn't happen? There is no din that you have to give it back. Rather, we assume that, uh, that the Mecca is Kayim. Since there are government officials that you can go to to complain if something like this happens, and he didn't go and complain about it, so we have the right to assume that he was mochel, whatever it is that he owes. Then the Gemara tells a story. Gidol Bari Eloi, Kabbal Arab Baga. Gidol Bari Eloi, he was a Makabal from the uh, people of a certain area, the Zuchus to eat the peros of one of the fields in that area if he would just agree to pay the taxes on that field. Meaning, the rightful owner of the field went away, we can't find him. The king is charging taxes, so everyone's got to pay the taxes for the entire area. But this guy's not paying his portion because we can't find him. So Gidol Bari Eloi says, I'll tell you 
you what, I'll eat the peros of that field, and in the meantime, I'll pay the taxes on that field as well. So he gave three years worth of taxes in advance. Then the Bali Asada, the earlier Bali Asada came, and Amrulay, the, meaning the real owner came, and he said to Gidabarilai, Wonderful, you paid one year of taxes, you're entitled to one year of peros. But I'm back now. I don't know why you prepaid two more years of taxes. I want to pay the taxes. I want to eat my field. It's my field. Also, they came to Rav Papa. Rav Papa thought to write for Gidabar Eloi a star of a psaktin that he could be tore from the karka of, the, of, the, of that owner, uh, whatever he paid, whatever year's worth of taxes he's already paid. Then you're becoming a, a sikrikon. Just like sikrikon, the chamur misakin, that the lokech is not going to lose his money and that the bailim has to pay the lokech what he, whatever he paid to the gazlan, so too in this maisa the, the bailim has to pay gidabar eloi, the, the taxes that he paid to the melech. And that's not right. The melech didn't ask for three years of taxes. He only asked for one year of taxes. Why are you making your own din sikrikon? Elam rafunah b'edra v'shua hiniach mosav al karenatzvi. Gidabar eloi wasted his money by prepaying all these taxes. So zumish rishona bezin shalacharei and amra al-kev the later Bezin said that if a person buys something from Sikrikon, he's going to have to give a reveal the Bailim. He's going to have to pay 25% to the Bailim. So Gemara says a fundamental machlokas. If you bought it for $100, you could pay $25 cash or $25 worth of karka, which is a quarter of the karka. No, a quarter of the karka actually equals one third of the value of what you paid, which means if you paid $100, for the karka, um, then 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 uh, you would have to. And you're paying it out in cash to the original bailim. The revia that you pay the original bailim would be thirty-three and a third. It's all a machlokas of how much the sikrikon uh, um, discounted the field when he sold it to you. He stole the field, so uh, how much is he discounting it? So when he sold it to you for hundred, is that a simon that the field really costs hundred thirty-three and a third? That is nechiy revia then no, if he sold it for a hundred, it really cost him. It was really a hundred twenty-five dollar field. So that's machlok zimetzius. How much of a discount you assume that that he gave? So that's how much you would have to pay back whatever the discount was that you got from the sikrikon. That's how much you'd have to pay back to the original owner. So Bezrom will pick up with that machlokas and discussion of that machlokas tomorrow. Oh, yeah.